Hey guys, you know, we're gone. So we're introducing our old favorites. It's a goodie. Uh, you may not think so much so, but it was one of my favorites to research just because it's like, what? <laughs> it is episode 54, The uh, Acid Bath Murderer. <laughs> John Hay was like uh, in a super religious cult-like family and it just really set him up for a life of success. <laughs> Get excited about just the incredible things that he does with his life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Here we are. So, it's been over two weeks since we've recorded. It really has. Like, I forgot how the microphone works. I don't remember to turn the light on. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of sat here for a couple of minutes. Just like, what do we do? Hey, you're back. Oh, God, I'm so glad. So I, refreshing. I've been so excited for podcast day. I love podcast days. I know. I get really People excited. are always like, wait, but you have to go to work on your day off? And I'm like, no, 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 this no, isn't work. This is podcast day. This is my good, like, free space. Yes. Like, Clear my head. I'm gonna move this because I feel like we we're so far from that. <laughs> so far, it's probably a real good idea to move the microphone while you're recording. Yes, I think that's yeah, yeah, definitely a the pro sounds. podcaster move. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Megan. Hey, I'm Kara, and we're <laughs> professional podcasters. This is the Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery Podcast. Yes, welcome aboard. Hello, hello. Do we have anything that we need to say before we get started? I don't know. We'll do. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the uh, Patreon shout outs to you guys at the end. And, I'll, yes. and I have a little more to say about Patreon, but I think I'll wait till we do that at the yeah. end because I'm just so, I love you guys. Oh like, my it's gosh. It's just the best. It's been overwhelming. And the, like, overwhelming. the podcast store, you guys are just It's ordering. like an everyday occurrence. It's like the best. a notification. I know. Like, what? I know. What is People this? do like it. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Okay. So that's all. Okay, guys. I've got a murder story for you today. Murder. It's an older one. Um, the guy's name is John George Hay, which is I had to Google a million times because I just don't want to pronounce it that way. H-A-I-G-H. Yeah. Hi. Hi. But it's just Hay. Hey. Uh he was born on the 24th of July in 1909 in Stanford. Stanford. Uh Lincolnshire. Oh. Yeah. I'm all like the alien? The alien? No. Not that Stanford. No. His parents were Alfred and Emily, and they were members of a religious cult known known as the Plymouth Brethren. The Plymouth Brethren. Plymouth Brethren. They were only allowed to have Bible stories as entertainment, so he didn't grow up with any little friends or any fun things to do. They wouldn't have listened to this podcast. No. They were only allowed to have Bible stories, Bible stories. as entertainment. Yep. Yeah. Um, so his dad... Had a bluish mark on his forehead, which he said was the devil's mark. And he said he had been marked by this because he was he had sinned. And so he would constantly tell John not to sin or else you're going to end up with one. And the reason your mom doesn't have one is because she's an angel. And so John always saw women as like mothers as like an angel figure, like n- not sinners, like the most no way people. this could go bad. Yeah, no, I like, definitely can you foresee imagine? this being a healthy yes, thing. Yes. Good lord. Uh-huh. Yeah. So can you imagine being so afraid to sin that you would end up with a blue like, mark on your forehead. Because it'd be like everyone will know. Everybody's gonna know I was a sinner. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay. 
Yes. Yeah. So he found it like crazy that his mother had stayed like pure, like had never sinned. So he was just like, oh, women are amazing. Poor woman. His poor, I know. He would stay awake at night, freaking out, thinking he had done something wrong and that he was going to wake up with a blue mark on his forehead. So that just like caused him like horrible anxiety. Of course he would. Any like random weird thought that pops in your head to be like, oh, yeah, but then he started doing, like, all these small pranks and, like, little white lies just to see what would happen. Like, if it would be, like, a small mark and it, nothing ever happened. And he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Dad? Are you good? Are you, all these are you kidding me, Dad? Are you, you kidding know, me? Every time his dad talks now, he's in his head. He's like, mm-mm. mm-mm. You're so full of this. You're so full of this. I'm going to go study my Bible. So... <laughs> For entertainment. Yes. Fun. For fun, because that's all I could do. (laughs) Okay, so when he was younger, he was super sensitive to others and animals especially. So he had several pets because he wasn't allowed to have friends. Because, you know, Bible stories. He wasn't allowed to have friends. No, so he had a dog and several pet rabbits for substitutes as friends. Why would Um, you have children if this is what you're Yeah, exactly. And sometimes he would feed the neighbor's dogs, too, because he just felt empathy for them. I don't know if the dogs were actually hungry or if he just thought they needed more food. I don't know. So his dad had built a 10-foot fence around the garden to keep John in so the outside world wouldn't get to him. So that's all he had to do was play in a 10-foot fence. Oh, my God. Yeah. So was the whole cult like this, do we know? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah, he's... He said they were, like, purists. But he said that, like, later he claimed that he would suffer from reoccurring religious nightmares in his childhood. He claimed that he was being afflicted by dreams of gothic nightmarish proportions where trees would turn into crucifixes, weeping blood. Yeah. Yeah. And so he would just, like, was traumatized by these nightmares. Yeah. But he did play the piano really well. He was, like, a great pianist. And he ended up getting a scholarship to Queen Elizabeth Grammar School in Wakefield. They is, People still say that his name is carved in a desk there. So people are like, oh, let's go touch I it. <laughs> I, I uh, see it. Yeah. He left school when he was 17 and he was an apprentice for a motor engineer. Okay. So, in 1934, he stopped going to church and decided to marry a young woman that he barely knew named Beatrice. Oh my God, I bet his parents were so happy. They were like, whatever you want. Whatever you you want, baby. Mm -hmm. She was 21 and people would describe her as like a good time girl. (laughs) Um, It said he impressed her with his manners and charm and he asked for her hand and she was like, oh, heck yeah. Like this guy's got to have money if he acts like this. Mm -hmm. They were working their way up to the wedding. The guests at the hotel, when they like they were getting married at or whatever they were staying at, um, one said she had claimed to them, oh, God, I wish I could be anyone else right now. Like, oh. she didn't want to get married. She was freaking out about it. But she ended up going through with it, uh, even though he was questionable. And she was like, I don't really know where he gets all this money from. Where does he get all his money from? Uh-huh. It's questionable. It's just questionable to me. So, obviously, both sets of their parents did not approve of this. these nuptials. I bet I bet his parents were a little yeah. more upset. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't, like, write a blue mark on his forehead. Yeah. Or on hers. She's yeah. She's a good time girl. And I know that is yeah. absolutely not their time. But listen, his parents let them live with them. Probably to keep an eye on them. I guess. But, God, that poor girl. Yeah. 
Uh, their marriage lasted for four months, and he ended up getting arrested in October and was in prison. Uh, while he was in prison, she gave birth to a baby, uh, and she gave it up for adoption. He saw Beatrice once more uh, to tell her that, oh, honey, we, were, we weren't really married. Um, I was actually married to another woman, so our nuptials were, were fake, which he wasn't. So who knows why he made that up? I don't know, but she's lucky. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's a lie. Like, I don't... I don't know why he would he say wasn't. that. Like, they're still married. I wonder. He just wanted out, I Yeah, guess. I guess. He didn't want to work for anyone else. He was like, I need to work for myself. I'm a big boy, and I can do this <laughs> I'm all around. I'm a grown-ass adult. Mm-hmm. I can do this on my own. So, he started forging vehicle documents, because why not? And uh, then he received 15 months uh, in November of 1934 in prison for that. When he was released, he started a dry-cleaning business with a partner. And uh, it was super successful, actually. So he was, like, working hard for his money. Like, he was a businessman. Working hard for the money. You did that on purpose. So I didn't even put that in there. <laughs> it just it came to me. And then his partner was killed in a car crash and the business collapsed. Oh. So so if that hadn't happened, would he have, would he have done it? Would we be he, doing a podcast episode about it? I don't it? know. Well, maybe because his nightmares. So then he moved to London in 1936, where he got a job as a chauffeur to the McSwan family, who they were wealthy owners of an amusement park. And then uh, he had some side swindles and ended up in prison again. Side Uh, swindles. Side swindles, it says. He was released in August of 1940, uh, but then back in prison again within a year. Uh, He did 21 more months for stealing. So he's just, he's a hot mess express and continued. Back so let's just cycle. have it be known that if you raise your child with the idea that they cannot sin, they have to be absolutely perfect all the time. Yeah. And only. Kept them in a 10 foot fence. Yeah. And pets as friends. It's and not Bible good. stories. No. It never nothing, turns out well. Nothing is healthy about that at all. Okay. This kid can't stay out of jail. No. While he was in prison, he was dreaming of the perfect murder. Because what else would yeah. you do after you've been in prison for so many times? He thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can d- dissolve some bodies with acid. See how long that would take. Just a little science Just a little experiment. Science experiment. Um, right. He experimented with some mice and figured out that it took about 30 minutes for the mouse's body to completely disappear. Oh. I don't know where he got this acid in prison, but, you know, it's a little concerning. <laughs> it's a little concerning. Like, hey, sure, John, we'll let you play with this I acid. I can guess this, where he got the mice in prison, but this vat of acid. Weird. Yeah. So he was released in 1944, uh, and he became a salesman for the firm called Crawley. He was involved recently, after, or soon after that, uh, in a car accident where he suffered a wound to the head, and he bled into his mouth, which started his nightmares all over again because the bleeding trees. So he started just, like, freaking out. He rented a basement space uh, where he set up a workshop, and which ended up being, you know, his workshop with acid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1944, because remember in 36, he was a chauffeur to the McSwan family. So in 44, he bumped into William Donald McSwan, who he had met back then, and um, they went for a drink. Then he took him back to his workshop, and he smashed his skull and put his body in a water (laughs) bath filled with acid. Uh, And then in his diary, he said that he had a sudden need for blood, so he hit him over the head with a blunt instrument. Then he slit his throat. He said, I got a mug and took some blood from his neck in the mug. Then I drank it. No. Yeah. Yeah, this is early on in this episode, too. Like, (laughs) this is, he's getting into it. This was his first murder. Yeah. The first murder. Well, aside from mice. Yeah. Yeah. 
This is first, his first people murder. He decides to slit the throat and drink the blood. Drink it. First he got a mug and drink it. Mm-hmm. So then he went to his the McSwan guy's parents, and he was like, guys, listen, Donald and Amy fled to Scotland because he wanted to avoid being called to the military. So I'm, I'm going to be here to help you all out. Like, I'll, I'll help you out with all your needs because you all are getting older up in the years. So I'm just going to step on in. That's so nice. Yep. That's so selfish. And so they started questioning why, like, the war was coming to an end. So why isn't my son coming home now? It's, I mean, he's got nothing to hide from now. He's not going to be called anywhere. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, there is a flaw in my plan. Yeah. Yeah. So then he uh, lured them to his workshop and killed them, too. So then he acted as Mr. McSwan and got legal control of all their possessions and sold everything, making thousands. And then he stole all of his pension checks, sold all of their properties, uh, moved into the Onslow Court Hotel in Kensington. And in the summer of 1947, he became a gambler was running low on funds, found another couple to kill, Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife Rose. They met after he was looking at one of their properties. He didn't want to buy it. He just was trying to see how much money they had. Mm -hmm. Then he went to the hotel, claimed all of their stuff, and um, sold it all. Like, sold all their valuables. So he's just robbing people or killing people to make money. Yeah. He's a great guy. Seems like mm-hmm. um real stand up fella. Yeah. His parents raised him right. And <laughs> under the Lord's Christian upbringing. Yes. Yeah. So then in forty eight he claimed his car was stolen, um, but it was found smashed at the foot of a cliff. So a month later an unidentified body was found nearby. Police claimed that these two incidents had nothing to do with one another, but I'm like, once again it's questionable. <laughs> That's, I guess, but they at that time didn't know. Yes, right. Hiding bodies in acid. Right. Yes. I wonder why he wouldn't have hidden that body in acid. Or maybe he wanted it to look like, I don't know. He claims that he had nothing to do with it after he was arrested, but still. And then he took his current girlfriend, Barbara, and he said he was, he wanted to collect car insurance on that car. He took her to the spot and um, she started becoming suspicious. She's not an idiot. Yeah. She's like, I don't know if I approve of any of this. Like I said, he had been living in the Onzo Court Hotel uh, for four years. One of the other residents was Mrs. Olive Henrietta Olivia Roberts Durand Deacon. <laughs> Listen That's to that one name. name. Yes. <laughs> Say it again. Okay. Mrs. Olive Henrietta Olivia Roberts Durand Deacon. Durand Deacon is hyphenated. So just Durand Deacon. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. She was a 69-year-old widow who had lived at the hotel for over six years. I wonder if she has, like, a widow to, like, this is my last name, and this is my last name, and now she just adds on. (laughs) Yes. It said they exchanged pleasantries at mealtime. He told her that he was an inventor and an engineer. That's going to kill her. Uh I like her name so much. And she said she had an idea for an invention for some false fingernails that she designed She's 69 years old. She's designing fake fingernails. Yes. Uh, And she was like, do you think this is something that could be marketable? And he's like, heck yeah, Henrietta. Just come on down to my workshop and we'll discuss the plans. Yep. So on the 18th, the two of them drove to his workshop 
Um, and he shot her in the back of the head and he removed her jewelry and fur coat and put her body in a 45 gallon of acid. So, and then he went back to the hotel and ate a three course dinner. I guess I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, oh, fur coat. Is he using and he ate a three like, course meal? The same vat of acid. No. For everybody. No. Okay. I don't think so. Because doesn't that sound so gross? I just like. I just took a drink. Of, uh, I know. Okay. Well, let's, that's probably not what he did. No. It was definitely no. new acid every time. Every time. For sure. Because he has um, standards. Sta- right. He, he wants to keep it clean. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. No. No, no, no. So the next day, hotel guests were like, where is Mrs. Duran Deacon? She's usually here for like every meal. And he was like, Hey, I was supposed to meet her, but she's not here. Where do y'all know where she's at? Like, I can't find her anywhere. And I'm like, You little shit. So by Sunday, people said it was obvious that something was wrong. And he approached um, one lady who was super concerned the day before. And he was like, hey, have you heard anything? Um, and she was like, no, I haven't heard anything. She's like, I'm going to go call the police. So he was like, let me help you. I'm going to accompany you. I'm going to drive you to the police department. And then the policewoman, a sergeant, was super suspicious when they, like, he showed up with them. Like, he was just acting real weird. And she's like, how? I don't like this at all. So he just like went because he kind of wanted yes. to know what yeah. was being said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, why would he even put himself in that position? So on Monday, Scotland Yard's record office was contacted and his criminal record came up. He had driven to Crawley that morning and emptied the sludge from the tank onto the ground outside the workshop. <gasps> I'm sorry, but that makes it sound like he did reuse it. Yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. Like, one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got, he went and, um, had her jewelry valued after he dumped her out. Uh, when he went back, um, to the hotel, the police were waiting for him and he gave him a statement reiterating that, you know, he, she'd missed their appointment. He didn't know where she was. He's just like out looking for her. Megan's <laughs> face. I guess. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. So that was Monday. So then Thursday, he saw the police again at, uh, Onslow Court Hotel for another statement for, and it was pretty much the same, but he added a few other details. Uh, and then Saturday, the police visited the workshop. The door to the workshop was forced, and detectives noted a rubber apron, gas mask, and empty carboys. They also found a recently fired thirty-eight revolver and a dry cleaning receipt for a black Persian lamb coat. Ooh. On Monday the 28th, Detective Inspector Albert Webb was waiting at Onslow Court when... Uh, Hay returned, and he took him back to the police station to assist them with their inquiries. Uh, later that night, he confessed to him, saying, I've destroyed her with acid. You'll find the sludge that remains at Leopold Road. Every trace is gone. How can you prove murder if there's no body? Because you just confessed to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went on to I add... killed her and you'll never prove it. Yeah, and then he went on to add, like, the other people that he murdered, the McSwans, the Hendersons, and he was like, I had them killed, and I also drank their blood. And they're like, um... Huh? What? Huh? Huh? Why? Oh. He's just like, you know, I don't want that mark on my forehead, so I'm gonna just go ahead and... I'm gonna go ahead and let it. I was thinking that. I was like, he probably, like, pathologically has to get Yeah, like, I gotta gotta tell his Why on earth would he do that? Yeah. Um, and while being questioned by the inspector, he said, tell me frankly, what are the chances of anybody being released from Broadmoor? 
And the inspector was like, dude, I can't discuss this with you. And so he was like, well, if I told you the truth, would you even believe me? It sounds too fantastic to believe. And then he confessed that he had not only killed Duran Deacon, the McSwans, the Hendersons, but also three other people. A young man named Max, a girl from Eastbourne, and a woman from Hammersmith. The three others might have been part of his attempt to convince the police he was insane. Is Broadmoor like the mental hospital or something? I don't know. I think it is. I feel like that's right. Yeah. On Tuesday, the pathologist examined his workshop found bloodstains on the wall and a hat pin at the bottom of a 45-gallon drum. After Dr. Simpson had noticed a gallstone in the sludge in the yard, all the residue was collected and taken to the police laboratory. Technicians had to wear rubber gloves and cover their arms in Vaseline to protect themselves from the acid, and then they found the following items. No, just give me a second. Okay. I'm just going to take a drink before I do this because I can't drink after it. I'm just going to take a breath. Megan's hands are getting sweaty, guys. Her hands are clammy. I just can't stand the idea of, like, mushy things. Mushy things. And now we're talking about, like, gallstones. dead bodies. Gallstones floating in a vat of acid. I'm surprised the acid wouldn't eat away. No. I guess not because that's the whole. Yeah. Okay. You you ready? (laughs) You ready? It's a list of seven things. Okay. One, 28 pounds of human body fat. They had to weigh 28 pounds of human body fat. Faceted gallstones. Three of them. Part of a left foot not quite eroded. (laughs) Please go watch the YouTube so you can see Megan's reaction. I just can't believe he just kept using the same acid over and over. Uh Uh-huh. 18 fragments of human bone. Upper and lower dentures intact. Those once identified by Mrs. Duran Deacon's dentist. The handle of a red plastic bag. Oh, come on. And a lipstick container. So it ate away at the lipstick, but not the container. Did he not at least undress them before he... Purse and all. Like, emptied the purse, but chucked it in there with her. Dentures. Dentures. What are those made of that they didn't dissolve? I don't know. Was it porcelain? No idea. Does porcelain dissolve? Google. I'm, I don't want to ask the device because she'll report. <laughs> they'll all she'll report me. Yeah, they'll all start talking and then the police will show up. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> why are you asking about what if dentures yeah. will dissolve? So, even with all these findings, even with the dentist being like, yeah, those are hers. He was like, no, nah, I'm innocent. They can't find me guilty. They, there's no bodies. But you confess. Uh-huh. I don't understand what yeah. you thought would happen here. Yeah. On April 1st, 1949, they opened the case for prosecution. Hay was in a very confident mood, and he was just, like, not sure that they could I got get him on anything. Yeah, it's a day he was just, like, chatting up all the people Our in the courtroom. Our identified those pictures. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, well, he can't really, like, recognize human feelings or emotions. So he's, like, super dysfunctional. So maybe he is insane. I mean, he did... <sighs> Dissolve uh, multiple bodies yeah. in a vat of acid and yeah. drink their blood. It does. It, yeah, I mean, it's questionable. <laughs> it seems like there's something not right. Right. Yeah. Um, during the court proceedings, they called 33 witnesses to prove premeditation of murder for gain. I mean, he took them to his workshop. So yeah. Clearly there's premeditation. Yeah. Like, there was no other reason to take them there. They just were like trying to lay out like all his movements and they were just like this. He had responsibility for these. Like, he wanted their money. Mm -hmm. He, like, clearly went after people with, Mm -hmm. you know, fortunes. 
Most of the psychologists agreed that he suffered for, from some form of mental health issues, but it, he wasn't insane. And he was perfectly aware of his murderous actions. And they said that it was all planned out. Because I guess it's the whole thing of, you know, right from wrong. Yeah. And some of the psychiatrists that visited him were like, you know, he he's paranoid. And we think that he had the same mental issues that Hitler had. Good Lord. Like, what? So they think that he developed a paranoid personality to escape his parents' universe, like his little realm that he was caught up in. And he just started doing this to get rid of his emotional pain. So he put people in acid to get to rid of feel his own. better yeah 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 because that's what you do it's you don't process. like go for a it's run like therapy or, really really like um, become an alcoholic i mean what <laughs> well i mean that's some people do drugs sir. yeah like sir can you just not kill or <laughs> a little more self-destructive than yeah. outwardly yeah but it said he tried to impress the psychiatrists about like his abnormal dreams and like his obsession with like blood drinking. But they were all like, you're insane. Like you're stupid. Like this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just like tried to talk to all these people. And he was just like, listen, I, I could have been a lawyer. I could have been an engineer and a doctor. And they're like, sir, putting people in acid doesn't make you a doctor. <laughs> and also throwing mice in acid. In jail. Yeah. Like, you know? that's like my last guy. Like, don't let's, let's actually go to school for this. <laughs> let's, let's actually plan this out a little bit and maybe. Mm-hmm. It says he was charged with murder of Mrs. Duran Deacon on 2nd of March and removed to Lewis Prison, I believe it is. His trial began on the 18th of July in 1949 and finished the following afternoon. It took the jury 17 minutes to find him guilty. <laughs> 17. But, you know, it really took him like two minutes, but they were like, we'll just stay in here for 15 more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mentioned, like he was very sure that since there were no bodies, he wouldn't be convicted. And they were like, during this investigation, it became apparent that he was using the acid to destroy the bodies because he didn't understand the laws. And he thought if the body couldn't be found, the murder conviction would not be possible. But also. He confessed to several like, murders. Murders they didn't even know about. It. I don't yeah. understand why he thought it doesn't count if there's no body. Yeah. It said beside his parents, the one person who was super affected by his murder tendencies was his girlfriend, Barbara. Uh, he was supposed to love her and marry her. And she always visited him. And she was like, I'm just trying to understand, like, the man that you are. Like, why didn't you kill me? Did you intend to kill me? And he said, I never entertained that idea, honey. She knew at some point she could have been one of his victims. But he was like, no, baby, like, that's not the case. I would never do that to you. And he continued to write her letters, write letters to her parents. And his mother would send him greetings through a reporter. He also told Barbara that he believed in reincarnation and would be back to complete his mission. I don't know what mission that is. Hopefully he ends up with a mark on his forehead so he just doesn't do anything anymore. (laughs) 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 He was hanged uh, on August 10th, uh, 1949. He had agreed to model for a death mask being made by Madame Tussauds waxwork. He left his clothes to the same with the stipulation that his waxwork was always kept spotless with trousers neatly creased shirt cuffs showing and his hair parted. He remains in the public eye in a special exhibition at the museum in London, where a collection of grisly relics are open to the public view from New Scotland's Yard's infamous Black Museum. The gloves and apron he used to protect himself from burns from the acid are on show, Mm -hmm. together with um, the gallstones, dentures, and the revolver. No. No. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah. Oh, Oh, God. 
Imagine looking at those dentures and knowing why they're there uh, and how they got And the gallstones. Poor thing. Didn't even know she had gallstones. You know people who keep their gallstones or whatever, their kidney uh, stones, and, and they're like, I got it in this car. I'm <laughs> shaking it around. It's like <laughs> clink, clink, clink. I remember being a kid and some, you know, elderly person had, there was like in like a prescription bottle and it had yes. a stone in there. And I was just like, <gasps> what is that? <laughs> why are we doing this? Oh, man. Yes. Well, that was horrible. <laughs> that was so bad. Don't play with acid, guys. Oh, man. Ew, ew, ew. I wonder um, the child that was put up for adoption. I assume it was his. Yeah. Which leads me to questions about whatever became of that child. Yep. The nature versus nurture. I wonder if we can get on Ancestry.com and look him up and see if or there's a connection. Or if they even know that he was their dad. Yeah. Mm, I don't want to, actually. No. <laughs> no. Okay. We'll leave that to y'all. <laughs> Somebody else look it up and only let us know if it's not deeply upsetting. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Patreon shoutouts. We're horrible at names and I'm looking at some of these like I'm not going to be able to say this. I had that moment as well. Here's the thing. You all um, have been through 54, 55 ish episodes with us at you this know point. us and you know you we know can't pronounce anything horrible yeah i had to google i'm, I'm sure they won't care. multiple times no i think they'll get especially oh, these okay. are the patreon people yeah so they extra don't care extra we love us. can't pronounce anything yeah i think this is probably why they signed up for this actually <laughs> knowing that we'd have to pronounce their last names because yes. most of them are there's hard. not a single like jones or johnson or there's a smith. smith yeah thank god mary okay um so here's the deal when you sign up for the body of a goddess level you get a patreon shout out on the show and i don't know i just have been like so surprised I and touched by everybody's yeah. support it's great. You it's insane. The support we've gotten from yeah. complete strangers who we feel so close to. Yeah. Because they love us so much. I and do, you all are so funny. active in the Facebook group, too. That's what I was going to say. So many of these names, yes, like, I yeah. feel like I know you because yeah. you, you know, you comment a lot and we talk in the Facebook group and it's just great. Which, by the way, if you're looking for the Facebook group, you can find, and yeah. the Patreon, yes. and our store, all of that, if you go to Instagram, is in the link tree of our Instagram. Yes. So just go to the link in our bio and it'll have everything there. All the sites. And that's where you can also find our YouTube channel mm-hmm. and everything else. Here's our Patreon shoutouts. Do you want to do like one, 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 one? Sure. Caroline Pierce. Bonnie Dombrowski. Mike uh-huh. Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Charlotte Collins. Aaron Reese. Kristen Powell Andrews. Andrews. Christina Moore. Uh, Lauren Nelson. I feel Aaron, like we're on KET. We are. <laughs> Aaron Monet, who I actually, uh, he's a friend of mine. And okay. I messaged him and I was like, how do you say your last name? Yeah. Because I was like, what if it's like Bonnet? But yeah. it's not. It's oh. Monet. Ashley Gray. Brittany Hatton. Emily Lawlock, mm-hmm. yeah, or Blaylock, Blaylock, Becca Valero, uh huh, Melissa Huddleston, Stephanie Mosso, mm-hmm. Quinn Hennessy, <laughs> Susan Dollum, mm-hmm. Samantha Pfeiffer, Caitlin Krangle, uh, Susie Seuss, 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 Randall, Mary Smith, Jolin, 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 Cripps, okay, um, Paolak, or Katie, and there's no last name, so I just Assume yep. that you are, um, you are Katie Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Katie. Uh, Lainey Amos. Morgan Hossman. Mm-hmm. Madeline Marie. Susan Murphy. Shelby Wright. Perfect. Yay. Thank all of you so much. Oh my gosh. Yes. Signing up for the Patreon. Um, it's really fun. And to- if you just signed up and we didn't give you a shout out, it's because we didn't see you on there yet. Yeah. We're in we'll the middle of podcasting. How fun. Thank you all. Hope you guys are enjoying the extra content that's on the Patreon. If you haven't signed up yet and you'd like to, there's, 
bonus content that's already there. You get access to everything we've posted since the beginning of July. Yes. Plus everything we post moving forward. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.